Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the only comics netcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Justin Chalupka, alongside Jason Polioff. Join us as we review and preview the world of comics, along with other facets of geek chic culture. Justin, how's it going? I am doing not too bad, I gotta say. Uh, had some, some ups and downs over the past few weeks, but all in all, not too shabby. Yeah, basically, yeah. 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 Um, We basically have, I think, about three weeks worth of comics to go through. So we had a couple huge stacks that we dug through, kind of picked out the ones that we were really interested to talk about, uh, either that you were curious about or I was curious about or that we both read and wanted to kind of dig into. Yeah. So let's start off. We'll jump right on the top of the list. And uh, one that you wanted to talk about a little bit, I hadn't read, is Batman and Robin, which... Uh, the big event in DC that happened over the three weeks we were gone is Damian Wayne has done got himself perished. So <laughs> that's a funny way of saying he's dead. Done got himself perished. Didn't you ever see the crow? <laughs> yeah. Poor, let me let's have a moment of silence for dear old Tin Tin. <laughs> Does a line of coke. It's awesome. Anyways, <clears throat> oh, yeah, well, that just screwed yeah. up my ears. If you haven't seen The Crow, don't worry. They're talking about remaking it, so you don't have to see the Brandon Lee version. you got to see the Brandon Lee version. Okay, that's a movie that made my stepmother, a child of the 50s, actually, by the end, stand up and cheer and like, yeah, get him! Okay, so the the hippie was... was No, no, not the hippie. This is the (laughs) clean-cut conservative. All right. uh, Anyways. Okay. Batman and Robin, um, like I said... Damien's dead, so this book obviously might be a little bit turbulent now, since <laughs> half of the title is no more. Yes. Um, before before I actually talk specifically on Batman and Robin, I gotta say, Scott motherfucking Schneider. Oh, hell yeah. With, he, you know, his issue of Batman also dealt with the uh, repercussions of the death of Robin, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, Batman and Robin dealt directly with it. Uh, mm-hmm. Schneider was more of a T-boning action to that uh, with this story. <laughs> We're just great with euphemisms tonight. That was really good. All right. Well, and the thing is with Schneider's, his was done very, I would say subtly, because like you say, it's it's uh, kind of... It's an outsider's perspective on Batman as he yeah, deals with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was very directly Batman and how Bruce is dealing with the death of Damien. Well, is this how Bruce sees himself dealing with it. No, th- th- this is very clearly the, the like, pure visceral. Okay, and, like the omniscient kind of... Yeah, and okay. to some extent, I read this right after I read the Schneider's Batman, oh, okay. and I almost wish I'd reversed the order, just because... Oh, to get sort of like the outsiders this then is get pulled the, into it? Well, like, this see what's really going uh, this on? This is the actual... This is the direct contact Batman full-on reaction, mm-hmm. and then Schneider's is that other character side view of what what His... what, what where because it, it almost is this the next step that takes place immediately after the last panel okay i, I can see that book. i can see that because with batman batman ends with this sort of uh, an odd kind of catharsis yes of coming to, to terms with what has happened and this so batman and robin is, is catharsis like, but, oh, okay but it, it's a very different catharsis from the schneider one and i think would lead very well into that book. Uh, the other thing that is absolutely amazing about this is that they do one of my favorite things that they do in comic books. Hmm. They did it with, uh, Larry Hammond did it with the original G.I. Joe, a real American hero run issue 21. What's up? 
they did it in the G.I. Joe, the new G.I. Joe Snake Eyes Storm Shadow book, issue 21, and that is it's a silent issue. Oh, okay. Those there are, are no are word fun. balloons. There are no thought balloons. It is pure artist telling the story. And that's one of the things that I, I, I love that for okay. a Okay, comic. wait, 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 wait. I gotta ask. Yeah. Who wrote it? <laughs> Tomasi. <laughs> but. Tomasi, you're earning your pay this week, buddy. <laughs> oh. Well, but here's the thing though. Because. Well, how much direction does he give to yeah, the artist? Yeah. There's, I don't know what his script looked like to say, but there is very distinctly a story and an arc told without, okay. <laughs> without the use of words. <laughs> Tomasi's and, script. Give it the feels. <laughs> Done. And it does. <laughs> there's a good chance you will be crying at the end of this book. You'll have oh, a tear to okay, run it down. Right. And, and it's, but it I is just realized you're an ass. Because <laughs> I gave it to you to read. It's a no, because you said set some time aside because there's some wall of text pages on it. No, that's what I said for, uh, what's the it's Beatle? Robin. No, I, I said that for uh, Nowhere Men. Oh. Nowhere Men has a nice couple of walls of text in there. Also a very good okay, book. When you said that, this one was on the top of the stack. I'm like, oh, okay. No, no, no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Batman and Robin, you're actually going to get through a lot faster than your average comic book, but it's going to be a lot more impactful. Okay. Um, and it's amazing power of what comics can do as a story medium. Yeah. Or uh, even as an artistic medium. I yes. mean, to, to have something that is sequential but, art, which is the, uh, the Scott Adams definition mm-hmm. of, uh, or the very watered-down version of the definition of comics. Wait, no, Scott Adams, is that right? No, no Scott McCloud. Scott, Scott, Scott McCloud. And that as an art form, the sequential art as story. But, anywho. So, I, I will read this one. We can come back to that one uh, yeah. at, at a later yeah, point. But the wall of text was uh, the Book of the Scientists, which is also yeah. very good. But they, they love that supplemental material that builds oh, the yeah, wall yeah, around yeah, yeah, yeah. it. And which you don't even need to read. I mean, you can you can read just the stuff. In the page, in the actual story, but you're missing it. out on so much, especially well, yeah. when you read the wall of text, the couple of walls of text. Of well, it's just like the people that read uh, the Watchmen yeah. and don't read the uh, the walls of text in there. Well, that too. Yeah, because there's, there's that side story, the uh, black the black freighter freighter. Yeah, there's the black story, black freighter story. There's also walls of text in there that are yeah. additional story. So okay, massive amounts of. But you read a book that was that was a number one this week, hmm. uh, one of the, part of the Atlas Ten for Ten, and that was Shrugged. Aspen. Aspen. Aspen sorry, yeah. Aspen. 10 for 10. That's Shrugged. So. Yeah, Shrugged. This is actually a volume two. The volume one of Shrugged has already occurred. So this was a number one in kind of a off sense. And it really did feel that way, too. It gives you a little bit of introduction to the book as far as what's going on. You have this character where that that angel and demon sitting on everybody's shoulder of their conscience is, in fact, actual creatures from this other dimension or whatever that the two of them have a sort of symbiotic relationship in that, and I, I don't know what the full story is of it because it's not explained in the pages, uh, where this angel and demon have, like, empower this particular person to go and do things. And by empower, I mean that quite literally because he, in fact, has wielded both of their powers as an angel and a demon called Hellfire, Flown, and all other kinds of shit. So he has some type of actual connection and discussion or, or some type of uh, uh, conversing with these uh, two things, but it was not shown in this book. So okay. I'm curious to see more of it and kind of where it goes, but I wasn't able to really, th- there wasn't a whole lot of flesh there to sink my teeth into. 
So this one's going to be an exercise in curiosity more than anything else. Okay. Um, but the you know, the cat's out of the bag curiosity-wise, okay, which I'm so. just taking euphemisms and just <laughs> wrapping them up as okay, much as we, I can. we need to move on because... Definitely, because that you've sucks. Lost, you've lost track. Yeah. The, um, the train is off the rails if we're going to use another story, another so, analogy. So, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Okay. Superior Spider-Man is one that I actually wanted to ask you about specifically. We both <laughs> read it, and we mentioned a, a few weeks ago, or a couple shows ago, I should say, right. on how, at least I was saying, I think you agreed... The Doc Ock character as Spider-Man actually being able to kind of move into his own as a, a, a character that can hold its own book. Now, with this issue, which was issue four or five, I think, we see a, a, tr- a true transformation in this character and doing things that are going to have repercussions should he ever step out of this role and... Which we know is more than likely going to happen. What they've done a wonderful job is each issue they've progressively pushed the character a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Last issue, they actually had that really icky scenario that they kind of made you feel gross inside. Yeah, yeah. And and they sidestepped it beautifully at the very end. And, you know, not the very end, towards the end to establish how they're moving on with the story. Mm -hmm. And then this issue, they present this a, a very similar scenario that makes you kind of cringe that you're watching your the hero do this. Well, it, it, it makes you wonder is that here's this line that's been firmly set right. by Peter Parker in everything that he has done, right. and now here comes Octavius, and he just steps the fuck right over that line. I mean, with utter and complete disregard. Yeah. Which, you know, if the shift comes back, this is something that Peter is going to have to deal with. Well, there's not only that, but there's also the fact that for some of that line, Peter's been the one that's been keeping him from going over it. So and this now, one he just now couldn't. the essence of Peter that's still left the body doesn't kick in, and so this will really be fun to see that what where they go with issue six. Mm-hmm. Although there are some teasers out if you've seen the advertisements for the upcoming. Uh, no, I haven't seen them. I, I don't know if it's issue six or issue seven that they're, that they're putting out where uh, they're beginning the new arc. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so it, Wait, this, this is this, is an this will definitely I mean, be paying off with this arc. Oh yeah, oh it, definitely. It will definitely be be spinning off of this. Yeah. Uh, so, but Dan Slott's been doing an amazing job with Superior Spider. Oh yeah, he's Since been knocking that out of the park. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, one I want to mention really quick, just because I wanted to get kind of your your take on it. We've both been reading Shadow Man. Okay. Shadow Man is one of the Valiant comics, and it's very very deeply seated in uh, voodoo and voodoo lore. One of the things that if this is book actually made me do is, sadly, I spent a good chunk of time on Wikipedia. And I was <laughs> looking up the Loa, looking up That's the houses, looking up all this other stuff. No, it's not hard, but once you're in, you never get out. <laughs> and I started going through. This is actually an interestingly keeping, from what I could figure out, fairly true to actual voodoo ideologies and practices. Uh, with this... Uh, uh, very much so in the symbolism, in the different aspects of these supernatural creatures. Um, I don't know how much have have you been enjoying. Have you been enjoying this book? Has it been kind of iffy for you. It, it is kind of iffy. It's the least least liked of the Valiant books for me. Really? Yeah. And maybe it's more the element. I know for you, you tend to prefer prefer the books that deal with that supernatural magic and the horror and, and, and that kind and, of stuff. And, yeah. Books that slant towards horror. Mm-hmm. 
you know, things like Witch Doctor, which I know you've got in your stack for the yep. past week. Yep. Um, and this kind of feels like it ties in very similar to those, to those feel and veins. Yeah. And it, I'm, so I'm wondering if maybe it's just the, the style and the topic of just the, the, the genre itself, the genre itself that, yeah, there are some horror books. Yeah. You know, and part of the reason we love Snyder on Batman is because he tells horror stories oh, yeah. with Batman. But this just isn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might be the first volume book I drop. Okay. Interesting. Uh, All right. Are, are you, yeah, but it sounds like you it's really digging its heels in because well, you actually spent some time researching stuff. Well, that was kind of the thing is that at first I felt the same way. I felt it was kind of light. There wasn't a lot to it. I was just getting these little snippets and pieces of, of character development here and there that it wasn't enough. Then I went and I researched it. And when I came back, it had a whole new facet that I could look at and truly appreciate. So it wasn't really until I did that that I could get deep into the book. And now, okay. now that I have that knowledge, I can, and I'm just uh, appreciating it that much more. All right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of horror, uh, instead, let's go nope. and talk about ninjas. Ninjas. Okay. Ninjas. I like ninjas. Which we seem to have both been kind of on a ninja kick lately, but. <laughs> well, we've had a number of books that have been dealing with them, so. And one that I wanted to ask you about was, uh, Five Weapons. Which I'm not positive it's a ninja book, but it looked pretty damn ninja-ish to me. It, it certainly has ninjas in it. Okay. I, I don't know. know if you would straight up call it a ninja book. The basic premise is a school for children whose parents are hitmen. Oh, or okay. Hit, or hit women. Don't want to be gender, yeah. PC uh, here. So. Because they can't go to a regular school because their parents kill people. Hit people? Hit, yeah. hit persons? Hit persons. Hit persons. All right. Yeah, we'll go with that. So, uh, they can't go to a school, regular school, so they have to go to a special charter school where not only are they protected from people that might want to kill them because of who their car- parents have killed, mm-hmm. but they get to be trained as assassins to grow up and take over the family business. Like you do. Yes. Now, it centers on the new kid at the school. And it really is kind of an ingenious way of introducing the school and everything about it, mm-hmm. because it's his orientation. Which so is the, the reader's orientation as well. Makes sense. Right. It, it allows you to connect with this character and bring you into the whole story. Mm-hmm. They present that there are five different clubs in the school, and you pick which club you're going to be a member of. Okay, I got And you. that's where you Your train. weapon specialty. All right, so you got the knife club, which is all your bladed weapons, swords, yeah, axe, yeah, yeah. knives. All that stuff. You've got... I see archery looks like stabs. Yeah, you've got archery, which also includes Firearms. guns. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got the gun club. You've got the archery club. You've got the exotic weapons club. I was which, saying, I see one panel that looks like nothing in it but one guy in a shadow. I'm like, is that the yes. stealth club? <laughs> The, 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 the how not to be seen club? Actually, yes. That's, they're actually practicing the art of how not to be seen in that panel. Well, that guy right there is really fucking it up. Well, that's the teacher. He's observing all the, oh. other, all the students. All the, all the other students yeah. not being seen. Right. Uh, it's a that's fun gotta be book. a cake it's, job. It, it's got, I don't it, see you. It's I very, don't see you. It's very tongue in cheek. I, well, yeah, I, there's a beautiful example of the, I'm, Ignoring you because you're supposed to be invisible <laughs> la- la- later in the story. But, you know, the exotic, they use weapons are poisons, mm-hmm. you know, venomous animals, stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I'm, so- I'm sorry. I I know, I know where you went with it, but my mind was like, hey, look, I dipped this badger in poison. Catch. <laughs> well, yeah, as long I as know- honey badger don't care. You honey can ba- dip him in poison, he don't care. Honey badger doesn't give a fuck. Look at that nasty little bastard. Uh, but yeah, it's Oh, a- look out, Snake. 
Yeah, it's it's a fun little book. Uh, it you know has it's tongue in cheek. There's a lot more uh-huh. going on than simply the kid going to class and dealing. Yeah, you know, there's definitely some of the. Oh well, if you're not going to be in our club, we don't want you. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, high school drama. There, there's there's but there's more to it than that. There's a nice little twist that they reveal at the end of the first book uh, that really makes you go, okay, that that's really interesting. Plus, the character has an interesting twist as well, okay, uh, which you re- realize is part of the larger twist at the end. But it's it, it re- twisting all over the place. Then. Oh yeah, it twisting really is a fun book. Away. It's a fun book. It's tongue-in-cheek humor. Certainly worth checking out. Five Weapons. Book one is Jade the Blade. Who Jade is the president of the Knife Club. Go figure. Yes. And uh, Now, see, if she was Jade the Stick and head of the Knife Club, then I would have been surprised. It's one of five, so each book will probably focus on a different weapon. Yeah, definitely worth reading. Yeah. Now, you read your own Ninja Base book, and this was actually book two... Of huh? Legend of the Shadow Clan. Right, which I, did we talk about the first one? I think we, yeah, yeah, we did. Um, I picked up book two because your description of the first one, I actually borrowed yours and read it. It was interesting enough, so I grabbed it, picked up number two. Bit entertaining. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting book. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to keep getting it, so. Okay. Hey, that's, that's, that that's what I wanted to know is, did, did it grab you that nothing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Was there any specific aspect of it or just, it's, you know, the modern ninjas, the, the story of the family? Uh, anything that pulled you forward with it? Let's see. Anything specific? No, it's just ninjas, and I was in a ninja kind of mood. Okay, yeah, I no, can that, dig it. That, that's about all of it. I can dig it. So, um, <laughs> actually, you... since we're talking nin- ninjas, okay. and ninjas kick some ass. Indeed, they do. Uh, why don't we go ahead and talk about another group of people that we picked up? Uh, you picked up this book. I borrowed it and read it. Right, right. And uh, these are uncanny skull kickers. Which were originally just skull kickers, but then they realized they were missing adjectives, so they added the uncanny to it. Right. Because uh, that's what sells books. No, uncanny skull kickers has, is a number one, and I think they're even going to have, like, an avenging skull kickers number one as their next book. Right. So it's it's a relaunch of a bunch of number ones that they're going to do. It, that's the style of comedy in this story. Uh, the other best, I suppose, telling aspect of this book is that well, you have the main storyline with two main characters that are constantly doing their, their yuck yucks throughout the book. And it's set in this sort of like quasi fantasy D&D-esque kind of world. Right. At the bottom of every single page throughout this entire issue is the story of a dead dwarf that has drowned in the previous storyline. Yeah. The entire book is just this dead dwarf. Well, not the entire, across the bottom uh, of well, each yes. page. Yeah. And what's beautiful is the dwarf doesn't move. You just, you know, one page well, you'll see dead. some, you'll, you'll see a fish nibbling on his wristband. And then, you know, the Swim next away. panel, you see the fish swimming away and the dwarf is missing his wristband. Yeah. So slowly you just see these little changes going on. It's just <laughs> kind of worth, okay, what changed between the last panel and this one? Or, yeah. Okay. He's got some little fish nibbling on him in this one. Well, cause you're reading the book and by about two, like about four or five pages in, you kind of, Kind of start ignoring the dead dwarf because oh, it's not doing anything. Oh, I didn't. I, I was sitting there going, "There's wait, there, something's changed." Let me go back. Oh, see, I went through like <laughs> I went through the whole book and then went back to the beginning and actually read like the dead dwarf story and actually like flipped through each one again just to kind of go, "Okay, That's like twice okay. the comic. You get to read the twice exactly. It's two stories in one." <laughs> the, the one thing that what would have been worse is if they'd have done it like collected at the end as like the last four pages were just dead dwarf pages. Yeah, I, this certainly seems to be more of a swords and sandals epic. 
Yeah, oh, yeah. A little more well, fantasy than a high fantasy. <laughs> uh, although it does have dwarves in it, but... It's supposed to lure great comedy, too, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, Which I, and, I think you said that it it was funny, but, like, it didn't go far enough for you? I, yeah, somewhere along the line, it wasn't quite far enough. Uh, one of the things that I actually picked up, because he the writer actually left some notes at the... Left his script mm-hmm. at the end of the book. And one of the things that I actually didn't pick up on is how he wrote in the notes... You know, we see our hero washed up on the sand. His hand is holding his his an, the gun, anachronistic gun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gun's shadow is falling on his face. This is going to be important later on. And then later, and then the next panel, we see him standing up. He's got oh like, a crab hanging from him, and we see a sunburn in the shape of the gun on his face. <laughs> so, but the, the subtle was, bits. It was very subtle that I didn't notice it when I first read through. I, I noticed something was kind of odd with the coloring of his face, but didn't pick it up didn't that it was click. quite the yeah. gun. Uh, so That's it, great. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Now i got to go back and read it and <laughs> yeah. go find it again. So there is a lot of fun stuff. I was kind of irked because it starts off with a two-page recap of here's all the adventures they've been up to until now, which something like that, right in, something like which, that would have made me happier on Shrugged. Okay, because that was the type of stuff that was missing. Why are I you, just you're playing soccer with my can. What are you doing? The, the unfortunate part is this kind of while this is kind of the beginning of an art arc, mm-hmm. it also kind of feels like the middle of a story because well, yeah. yeah, they're yeah. washing up on an island and waking up to do what they need to do on the island to get off. But you're you're stuck with kind of okay. Well, here's the story of how they get how the ship sank. Mm-hmm. And sent them to this island. And, right. And so it felt kind of stuck, you know, like, oh, I'm joining well, right in the middle of something. Well, but remember, it's not the, the Dan DiDio talk from years and years and years ago where he yes. talks about when you jump into a story, you're jumping in in somebody, you know, when you meet somebody in real life, you're jumping in, in the middle of their story. Right. So I, I wouldn't necessarily hold that against this book. I think if you want a lighthearted book, something that's funny for the sake of being funny, and you enjoy fantasy type things. This is a book to go grab. Yeah, I'm certainly not saying no. Players of D and D, like anybody who's ever been in a D and D group, because there are guys in your group that act like these schmucks. Yeah, you know this. <laughs> You've been there. Yes, I had to stick to uh, lich ravens on them. Yep. So, okay, uh, we had dead to... ravens, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, hence the term lich. Well, lich is a specific term. I don't. I wouldn't they call were them raised lich birds. dead skeletons. I'm pretty sure that counts as a lich. No, lich is a magic user who has continued his life in undeath. Mm, and, okay. Uh, unless the ravens were actually casting spells before they croaked. No. Uh-huh, see what I did there? <laughs> they were raised by a magic user. <laughs> okay. Anyways. Uh, moving on. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, another book that we both read. Which, one? which is vitriol, okay? Which is blade light. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's a fairly apt. Yeah, it's a pissed off vampire hunter who has with a bad attitude. <laughs> well, and, and he's a vampire hunter, but he's done something to himself he, to he was... to put him on par with the vamps. Whether that's kind of half vamping himself, which seems to be the case, I don't know. If that's he, he was given exactly a, what it is. Based, what seems more like a combination of healing serum and nanobot tech that amps up his system. Yeah, to uh, provide him with better healing uh, from apparently his friend's father, who we don't see in here, but we see his his right. friend who helps him heal and get better after the mate, first fight at the beginning of the yeah. book. Yeah, and we know that the and father to help is explain somehow... why he has some better power. Yeah, we understand that the father is somehow involved with. 
the shit that the world is in right now in the first place. Overall, this book really does. It's dark brooding hero who's brooding in a very cartoony art style, right. which kind of offsets it a little bit. It, it really, it's, it's play light. I mean, I really can't describe it any other way. Yeah. But for me, it, it wasn't strong enough. It wasn't compelling enough. Nah. Yeah. What was, yeah, there were things that kind of grinded me the wrong way. You had the leader of the police force that was asking the hero for help and the heroes just piss off. Mm-hmm. And it's, it seems like they like, had basically a tell relationship. Them like, yeah, like you shouldn't be here in the first place kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. And it seems like they've had some sort of a relationship in the past, which right. very much kind of like a Commissioner Gordon Batman relationship. But whereas if Batman, Batman was a dick. Batman was always at least receptive to working with Gordon and mm-hmm. accepted that he needed the authority there. Right. Whereas this guy's just like, fuck off and I'm not going to, I'm not here to deal with you. I'm here to deal with the vampires and you should go away because you can't. Yeah. And I, and I, and, I can't spare the time to and save your the, ass when you inevitably get into trouble. And still the authority goes to him, which I can't understand. You know, after being treated right. that way, why the authority continues to go and, and look for help from him. Other than lack of options. Yeah. But there yeah. were a couple of other things that just kind of, ground the wrong way on me again the, the feeling of blade light yeah just, I, it's not something I, I would continue with yeah I'm, I'm one and done on it I'm not gonna okay. continue so yeah something that I don't think you're gonna be one and done with hmm. um, in fact I know you're not because I because you had both issue one and two damn right is Rocketeer and the new arc on that love me some Rocketeer so okay uh, I'm going to sum this up very succinctly okay. it's Rocketeer with Cthulhu okay <laughs> done Okay. Next, it, 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 how actually real quick? How is this comparing to the previous uh, miniseries that we had with this one? The uh, the, the, the same sto- people or uh, well, new no, writer, co- new artist? Uh, for the last actual full arc, no. This is a complete new team, as far as I'm okay. aware. Because this is a new miniseries, correct? Right. So uh, Hollywood horror, I think, is what this one's called. Right. And a completely different art style. This one is cartoony, even beyond like what we were just talking about the vitriol. Okay. It is highly, highly stylized. The story is still uh, just as both interesting and, I was about to say surreal, but almost campy is kind of a better way to put it. Yeah. Because well, Rocketeer, what... Rocketeer's always had that like quasi-camp to it, the, the, that Th- that's part nod of what back it, to the pulp thing. Yeah. yeah but it, it goes with that 50s, because there's a with camp to the 50 it. pinups. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the bomber jackets and the, the art style. Over-the-top over Nazis and all that thing, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole era f- feels right. campy, so it's great that that actually fit there. Which is what this is as well. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to keep reading it because it's awesome. <laughs> um, And I'm borrowing it, so. Oh, here you go. Okay. <laughs> There, you go. there we are. Yank. Um, we have a couple others we were gonna that we had both read, but I want to go over and ask you about Lost Vegas, which was a number one book that you picked up. This is a image, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it's image book. Yeah, image book. And where where does this one fall on the genre line? It looks to me like it'd be modern crime, uh, no, no. heist ish. Maybe no, or? actually, uh, comp- really, actually, pretty. I don't want to say totally off. This takes place, uh, starts off at a place not too dissimilar from Moss Eisley Cantina. And, hmm. uh, it starts off with the main character being nabbed for gambling debt. Okay. And the way that, the, that it works is the 
casino, Lost Vegas, which is a casino in the middle of the galaxy. It's floating in space. Ooh, okay. Will buy up people's debts, bring them aboard, and use them as the help. They'll be the waiters. They'll be the the people that clean up. You know, oh, okay. The bellhops. You Welsh done your bill, so now you gotta yeah. do the dishes. And so, yeah, they get to keep their tips, but fifty percent of the tips go to the house, and then they have to pay their living expenses. Mm-hmm. So, and then they pay a certain amount has to go to paying off their debt before they get to keep. So anything. they they owe their soul to the company store. Yeah, there's there's they figured out that there's no way that they're ever going to be able to afford to buy their way out based on the tips. Right. That that they make, even if they're sitting there working the high end yeah. room. It's uh, it was a indentured servitude. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, they don't quite draw the I didn't pay giant, attention in history. The giant swath of aliens that you get to see at Moss Eisley mm-hmm. in the original or in the Redux version yeah, yeah, yeah. of it. But it's it's definitely kind of set in that we're out in the middle of space, there are things other than just straight humans okay. and aliens, and he's now mean? determined that in order to, to pay off his debt, he's gotta he can't pay off his debt, he's gotta actually escape. Okay. So this that reminds where, me kind of, a little bit of uh I think I made you watch Cowboy Bebop. I think you saw like the first few episodes. Like the the issue with Faye Valentine, right. the the main female lead in there, and her story in it. It sounds really kind of similar to that. Yeah. So yeah, but I could certainly see where you would get the idea that it's a caper or something. Like that. Well, yeah, and, because and it's I didn't kind of a see... caper because it's his how he's going to escape. Because mm-hmm. most of the book is him explaining the setup of the casino and how things work. Because he's setting you up for how am I going to get the escape? Okay. Um, I'm... prison break in that sort of yeah. sense. It's not a bad read, but I'm not sure that I think for me it's a one and done as well. Really? Like, yeah. Hmm. And if you want, I'll let your bar. You can you can try yeah, and come back curious. and tell us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come back and let us know if if you think. Yeah. Wait, well, I mean, considering that my my impressions of it were way off from what it actually is. Yeah, right. I, I'll check that one I, out. That's that's a great reason why we talk about things in the show because oh, sometimes because yeah. that cover, it, you know, except for the lost, you would think it's a Las Vegas cover. Yeah. All right. Um, we have one more that we both read we were going to talk about. Uh, don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, though, so we may just want to do a, a real quick thing. Well, I, I think it is something that we can touch on real quick. Um, yeah, which is... kind of unique. Yeah, uh, Age of Ultron has just started in the Marvel Universe. This is their new kind of... Their newest big arc. You know, yeah. their, their worldwide thing. But i got to be honest. I'm curious how the hell this actually fits in with their overall universe. Because this seems like... Just an out and left field own story goofy ass thing. I mean, unless the whole Marvel universe is in fact being destroyed and rebuilt again, well, which seems kind of redundant at this point. Yeah, I, it really does. It, it's it's a weekly publishing event, so you know, mm-hmm. uh, issue number two has already come out, and issue yep. three will be coming out this coming Wednesday. Which I gotta be honest, the only reason I was really excited about Age of Ultron is because fucking Moon Knight was coming back. <laughs> that's why. That's why I wanted to read this because it has Moon Knight. Okay, they canceled his damn series, even though it was good. Well, shitheads. Hey, just because it's good doesn't mean people are buying it, and they gotta have people paying. Yeah, they're cash. shitheads too. They should be buying good books. God damn it. Yeah, listen to us. Buy the good books. Damn right. Okay, uh, I, I will be grumpy. I am all hopped up on Mountain Dew. I'll come at you like a spider I, monkey. <laughs> what I did really like about this <laughs> is it just brings you right into the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. It. it doesn't have much of a backstory yet at all. Oh yeah, no, I don't. Other than shit. the fact that we know that Ultron has come down and blown shit to hell. Yeah, he uh, has basically bent everyone over. And this has become the story of the heroes starting to bind together to try and put forth a resistance. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that resistance is going to be yet, but we know that they're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know? And 
we're also dealing with a limited number of heroes, too. They've shown that they've knocked out a number of the different heroes, so... I'm really enjoying this. I like... The, uh, it's written by Bendis, and he's done a wonderful job of presenting this world, showing us... If you're familiar with Marvel, there's not much that he has to introduce you to. No. But he's shown you just enough uh, of how this is very distinctly different now that the apocalypse has hit. Yeah. And Which, yeah, like you have uh, a Black Widow with half of her face all kind of effed up. Yeah. You have a... Uh, Which is the the beginning of number two that, that you've... Right, right, right. You get, are introduced to her because you're introduced to the rescuing of Peter Parker in the first issue. Yeah. So... I'm, I kind of want to know where the hell this is going because I do want to know, is this going to be a standalone? Is this going to be a time warp event where when they, at the end, they're able to, they warp time back? I, I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. How this, <laughs> because they really are destroying a large chunk of the universe. And I'm yeah. wondering if maybe they're going to kill off a bunch of characters. I think I have an idea because I play the Facebook game. Well, th- there is one other option that I have to this, hmm. and it's because if you look at the, it's because I cheated and looked at the ads for what's coming up. You went through previews. N- n- not previews. Oh, the okay. ads that are in the Marvel book. Oh, which oh show okay. That one of the crossovers, I'm pretty sure, is Age of Apocalypse. Uh-huh. Which Age of Apocalypse is the world after Apocalypse right. decimated the planet. Decimated, and, really? No, you're right. It isn't because he didn't kill damn every 10th person. I'm going to call you on shit like that. You can't be dropping those. After he demolished the planet? Yes. Okay. Devastated also would be acceptable. (laughs) Okay. So after the destruction of the planet, uh, so it is possible this is actually a story taking place potentially in Mm -hmm. that universe or is ties through with that universe. Right. Uh, Because it could be that that would give us the limited, you know, cast. Yeah. I will say the reason that I think the Facebook game, because Facebook game, uh, has introduced Hank Pam and Wasp is in there now. They're trying to collect this ult- Ultron AI that has busted out into a, in a body or something. But one of the end characters that you fight in this little special ops thing they're doing is Kang the Conqueror. So a time warp, I think, is not totally out of the question. He could, yeah. he could play into this. Kang playing with time. So. No, say that. Well, Kang playing with Ultron. That's the real sort of, ooh-hoo. All right, least, so I think. Okay, enough about comics. Let's go ahead and talk about some other geek chic stuff, and like uh, the Iron Man three trailer, because that has nothing to do with comics. Iron Man three has a trailer. Yep. Well, Iron Man three has. This, I think it's, this was the third trailer that's been released, and this is the uh, full theatrical trailer. Yeah, well, this came out actually uh, two weeks ago, but it was just after we did the last show. So I may have actually seen this because now that I'm thinking about it, I did see a whole bunch of Iron Man costumes fighting. Yeah, so that, that's the one. That, that's the big mm-hmm. you know, deal. You know. And oh, uh, Mandarin um, looking like a badass. Oh, yeah, looking completely pimp. Um, I do want to say, just off the top here, almost all of this stuff we're going to have links to in the show notes. So if there's anything we talk about that you're interested in, check the show notes. There will be a link to it. You can see it there. You can read the articles, whatever else. Um, okay. Also, nothing to do with comics. Disney XD has announced that they are doing Avengers Assemble and Hulk and the Agents of Smash as two of the new releases on their uh, afternoon block of shows. Uh, this is interesting because, <clears throat> pardon me, the previous Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes, they canceled. They said they were killing the show, I think, because they were going to start these two new shows. And they want to bring this stuff in line with all of their movies and the other 
uh, media they've been putting out because they're trying to, as best I can tell, they're trying to form the universe around this central idea okay. and kind of get everything to cohesion, pardon me, together um, outside of like their, their specifically different like Ultimates universe and things like that. Okay, so, so they're trying to recoalesce so that people that are familiar yeah, yeah, with yeah. the TV show and the movies can get into the comic books by having it all very exactly. similar. Right, right, right. Um, um, also, I, nothing to do with comics. And I'm just going to do this one really quick. Uh, Geek Dad has reviewed The Science of Good Cooking. Haha, <laughs> see, I told you it wasn't about comics. Um, this is a book, actually, I got for Christmas. It's from the America's Test Kitchen, uh, the same ones that do a TV show on PBS that I don't remember at the top, off the top of my head. I think it's an excellent book. They gave it pretty good marks. They had a couple criticisms that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. But go and check their review, and then go and check the book. You can find it at your local bookstore. So you've got the book? I do have the book. You're cooking from the book? I have used the some of the concepts in the book, which is an important note to make. Concepts versus actual recipes. There are recipes in it, but there are recipes that exemplify a technique or aspect that they're highlighting in that chapter. Okay. Uh, I'll let you know how the food is once he cooks it for me. It's it's scientific. Good. Now, if we're going to go to uh, something that's completely not comic book related, Batman Beyond, Justice League Unlimited, I believe the actual ju- the original Justice League cartoon, mm-hmm. and the Green Lantern animated series are all going to be going to Netflix. Shawit! So if you want to catch up on those, uh, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond. Yeah, Netflix. Ju- Justice League Unlimited, I'll just watch that over and over and over again. That show is awesome. Yeah. So that's going to be coming the end of March. Or at least some of them will start showing up then. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, we both saw a movie. Uh, Finally. Yeah. It, which I'm surprised you didn't see anything just because it's right up your alley. It's based I on have games. a child. I don't see diddly in the theater. But this is the type of movie you can take your child to in the theater. I could have, yeah. We had other things going on at the time, too, at the time it was released. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, it, finally, it came out last week, I want to say. We didn't get to see it until this week. That, it came out oh, no, on DVD me, or Blu-ray. A month ago. Okay, DVD and Blu-ray a month ago. Right. But it just now made it to Redbox, so we could finally get it <laughs> a week ago. And the, when it came out, we couldn't find it. We were looking all over God's creation trying to find the stinking movie. What the movie. hell would you spend all this time looking for? What movie is this? Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. So, as the video game geek uh, of right. the two of us, I know video game stuff, but you're the true geek on it. <laughs> how, how did this feel as a video game movie? It was great. Okay. No no bones about it. it. It's an excellent movie. And one of the reasons that, one of the things that kept me from just running out and grabbing it and picking it up right away, which was my original, initial instinct, was I had heard almost too much hype. Everybody was saying how good it was. And when something like that happens, I, I have to step back and okay. kind of wonder, all right, is, is that just the spin machine or is it really that good? Well, you've got, you've got two two things that are fighting here. One, you've got a story that is told through a movie, and right. is it going to be good as a movie? Mm-hmm. The other is as it comic books and the references that it makes and the portrayal of comic uh, of sorry video of games. video games right. and video games and the mo- references that it makes. How is it going to por- to have those references? Mm-hmm. And are people saying it's great because just of the references? Are they saying it's great because of the story? Are they saying it's great because of both? And this is great because of all of those things. Okay. So, uh, we don't, I'm not even going to go in with any type of no. review of the actual plot itself, but as far as the movie, it's very cute. It's very heartwarming. It's great for a daughter my age who hasn't played... A daughter these, your age? <laughs> or the age of your A child daughter. of the age my daughter is. 
if you're going to call me out on decimate. Hey, I earned it. So um, I, the, the thing that struck me with this movie is the first half, which is kind of setting up the whole reality of how the video games live and work. Right. Gives you all the world the, building, then the story. And the world building is where you see almost all of the video game references. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, then yeah. it falls off. There's just one major one that's kind of done in the second half of the movie. Mm-hmm. But one, once you kind of get past that world building, you lose a lot of the references. And it becomes original characters and original setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's still nods to video game tropes that exist beyond any individual specific, like, game, direct game reference. Right. So there's, you know, the nod to FPS shooters. There's the nod to cart games and that that style and genre. But there's not a whole lot of on-the-nose this game right. references outside of the central station. And, and, or there's, and there's not a lot of poking at those references right, right, either. Right, right. It's more of they're used as a setup to show the events that are happening in this the exactly. sequence. Yeah. Alright. So, a lot okay. of fun, great movie, definitely worth, uh, definitely worth seeing. Uh, let's jump down since we're already talking about video games, and I want to mention the absolute just shitstorm that has erupted over the latest SimCity release, which the fact that it was done by EA should have been a clue. Well, because EA, EA has screwed the pooch as far as DRM time and again. The only one who's done it worse is Ubisoft. With Ubisoft, they made that fucker yelp. Well, and with this, yeah, SimCity, yeah, not only did they screw up the launch, but they shit the bed on covering their ass with it too. Oh yeah, no, their 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 PR is well, whoever their PR firm is is not going to be for long. Well, they, there's there's a good chance that they're going to get nailed with a lawsuit or two. Because of this. Oh, hell yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, well, for, for those for not in the know of, right. of what happened, SimCity was released, and SimCity historically has been a great single-player game. And EA put it out, and they made it an always-online game. If you don't have an internet connection, you can't play. Which... Now, part of this is, this game, from all the reviews, is a amazing update and a great single-player game. The problem with that is you can't play it just offline. by yourself. You have to be online. Well, yeah. You can play by yourself, but you have to be online to do it. Right. Now, from what we've seen in the past, games that have this always online requirement, it's being done for DRM purposes. They want to keep it from getting copied. Uh, they did, EA did say this is a game that that is doing computations behind the scenes, and that's why it has to be always on, is because computations are being done on their servers. Right. That can't be... That would be too difficult to re-engineer to make it a single-player game. Pay attention to this. It's a big plot point. Because a modder went and changed and created a patch for the game in a day that could take it offline. One guy in one day did what a game development company said they couldn't do because it was too complex. Not only that, he said it played better offline after having patched it, mm-hmm. and he was able to do a couple of things that he couldn't do online, and the only thing that he wasn't able to do, with at least based on the original patch, the only thing he couldn't do was save the game. You know how he figured out how to save the game? You plug in, once you're connected to the internet, it saves save the it. game for you, then you can disconnect again. Right. So you can play it when you want to save it, you go online, you save it, and then you go back offline. Now, since then, he has come out again and said that 
their whole idea of what their big picture vision was, was to basically set up a sort of sim world where everybody's individual sim cities would live and breathe and actually create a sort of uh, symbiotic relationship with the cities that neighbor it to really make it... To make it a multiplayer game. Exactly. Which is a great concept. It's a great idea. But people were buying it for single player game, not multiplayer. And more than that, that's you should have released it and made it obvious that's what your point was to begin with. Instead of this other stupid beat around the bush bullshit. What, te- what that tells me is they came up with that as an excuse after the fact that Absolutely. it was proven that they were lying about needing the computational power on the back end. Absolutely. Not only that, but you know, you couldn't get online to play the game when you first got it. They were refusing to give refunds to players and oh, said, yeah. I can't get on. I want my money back. And I think there were actually players that once they complained, they banned them. I, I think that wound up getting, How fucking wound up getting reversed on that one. Oh yeah. But you, they you can't were, keep up EA that. wound up putting in 150% more servers because of the load that this was having. Yeah. Uh, I did see another story that I, I didn't get to paste in here. I'll see if I can get the link for you. Mm, what's um, and that is, uh, is it time for a gamer's bill of rights? Basically saying you know, that mm. we have the right to play a game. If it's single player, we have the right to play it without an always-on connection. That if you do require a always on connection and you're killing the servers, you have to release a patch to either take it from being always needing the servers or provide a free, a free version of the server software so that anybody that wants can create their own server free, you know, without having to pay for, to download the server pack Mm -hmm. so that people that want to can continue playing the game even after the game company has taken down their, their servers. Uh, Which uh, just to to kind of cut off there, a gamer's bill of rights is an excellent idea. But as far as in practice, it's completely unenforceable. It's impractical. It's basically nothing more than a bunch of gamers saying, this is what we would love to have. Now, it would be a great selling point for developers, especially in the indie crowd, to latch onto and say, yes, my game adheres to the gamer's bill of rights. My game does every, you know, is completely within the you know, the edicts of this gamer's document or ethos, you know, whatever. It's nice, but it's It's, not realistic. Unfortunately. You're you're right. There's no way to force the big companies to do it. However, you know, again, if the smaller companies start to use it, if the gamers are pushing that they profits by it, then you might start to see higher adoption. But, and the thing is, with the proposed Bill of Rights as it was, it wasn't saying you can't have DRM. It's just saying we don't want it intrusive and we want to have a way that we will be able to play the game after you stop supporting it. That right. it's ours, we paid for it, we should always be able to play it. Which, th- this same Gamers Bill of Rights could be even expounded up into just a general user's Bill of Rights. And right. have it apply to, to other professional softwares as well. But then you start getting into business models and other things and it's a giant clusterfuck. Yeah. So, okay. um, let's run through uh, some more things. This is Kind of a rapid fire bit. Uh, pie day was just a few days ago. I don't know if you got your slice of pie. I know I missed it. Unfortunately, I didn't, I, I didn't get any pie. No, no um, pie for me. Yeah. Sad, a sad so, day for both of us. Uh, Nerdist. I, I, I was, oh, sorry. I, I did beware the Ides of March. That's always a good idea. Uh, 
Nerdist and their podcasts have had some great interviews in the past few weeks. Uh, Mick Foley, which we may have mentioned on the last yeah. episode, I don't recall. Uh, Steve Carell, whose interview was excellent. And uh, the most recent one, Patrick Warburton, which I have not listened to yet, but I am looking forward to. Yeah, especially with his voice. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, and they do talk about voice acting specifically, because you know, Warburton's always doing different things. Um, on, this That's is sort of a, a, a cross thing. Dave Bautista, the wrestler, has been cast in the Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie as Drax the Destroyer. So I'm hoping with having Mick Foley, CM Punk, and Chris Jericho been on the Nurse podcast recently, I'm thinking another wrestler's coming in there in the near future. At least I hope so. Hey, maybe we'll hear from Dave. Uh, Would love huge, to. Huge stature guy, so he, he definitely will fit the character. Oh, no doubt uh, about it. I'm sure that's a large portion of why he was cast in that role. Huh, I see what you did there. Um, on March 9th here in Tampa at Cigar City Brewery was Hun Hunapu's Day. Uh, did Cigar you get City... your Hunapu? I, didn't, I did not go to the event, but I did manage to get a bottle of Hunapu, which was going to be delivered to a uh, certain Wheaton this past weekend. Unfortunately, that was not able to happen. Yeah. Um, and big news, at least for me, and with and a tear, I have me. to say, Google Reader is going bye-bye. Google has decided they're going to drop support for Reader. Uh, they're going to phase it out. Why they're getting rid of this instead of Google+, Plus, I will never fully understand. But there have been other services out there that have jumped on this and are snapping up Reader's previous base and pulling them into their own services. Uh, Feedly is the one that I've adopted. There's another one, uh, News Blur, I think. News Blur is another one that's been promoted. I'm mm-hmm. going with the old Reader. Which, when Google Reader changed its format, uh-huh. they said, we don't like this. We like the way that Reader functioned before. They created a clone of the old version oh, okay. of Reader. Uh, before it, so it's not quite the current feel, look and feel of Reader. But if you're looking for a replacement, the old Reader okay. is uh, going to look, look and feel very similar because it's an, it's an older version of it. And now that they're getting a lot of support. Yeah. Um, now, I know some of these places have gotten such an influx. One of them turned off all their free accounts. So you can't sign up for a free account until uh, they uh, – and I, I don't remember if that was uh, Feedly or, or the uh, well, no, Feedly, News Blur or – It may or have been the News others. Blur. I know Feedly is right. doing Freaks. That's one that I'm using. Yeah. But all of these that got swamped. Like the, yes. the day it was announced, like almost every single one of these sites – There was also – there's also a petition at uh, change.org uh, to sign up to have, with 50,000 signatures on the first day to bring back Google Reader. So, so, well, so we'll see how far that goes. Yeah. But uh, so th- those are a couple of choices. Uh, what one of the reasons why I chose the old readers? It's web based, which means mm-hmm. I can use it on any computer that I go to, right. and I'll be able to find and I should be able to get it on my phone because I do a lot of reading of stuff on my phone. And I, if it doesn't sync between my phone, right? Uh, some of these, I think uh, Feedly or Newsblur, they had a Firefox plugin that you needed to use to well, read it. Feedly has a uh, uh, Google Chrome app, and yeah, one of them was a Chrome. But right. you, but you had to be yeah. I don't want to be dependent on a specific browser. Or have to have a plug-in. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go to the website. It's nice if it has a plug-in because I'll use it. Well, but I also want to be able to go... It was a Chrome app, but I think it had a, a standard Android app as well. Right, so. but it needs to be able to, to sync between what I've read on my Android versus mm-hmm. what I've read on the web. Because Which, we go through it, I go through a lot of feeds that way. That's where we get all yeah. news for the show. One of the added bonuses with Feedly, and another reason why I went to that, is that they actually have the API of Reader's Backend. 
that they're using to seamlessly transition people that were from right. Reader directly into theirs, yeah. and which is really nice. Yeah. The, the old Reader, you get, you go to Google Takeout, you download your feeds, and they will import yeah. them. They yeah. are backed up on their imports right now. Which I will say, the nice thing that Google read that Google has done for Google Reader is uh, they've gone with the, the DLF, Data Liberation Front, and they're making sure that all of their people can get all of their stuff out. Well, Data Liberation Front has been a project that Google Google actually started. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like to tout that they're from Google, but their basic goal is it's your content. You created it. You should be able to keep it. Right. So you can download all your Gmail. You can download right. all your right. Google Plus stuff, all, mm-hmm. all your reader stuff. And they want other companies. They want Facebook to do this. Facebook does have a way of doing it, um, but it's not that clean. It's not that easy. Uh, they want fa- you want you to be able to do that for Facebook. They want yeah, you yeah, to yeah. be able to do it for Twitter. They want you to be doing they want it, you to be able to do it for everything. Yeah. So. Um. Let me jump forward. Uh, Gizmodo now has a show on BBC America. Gizmodo, the uh, gadget site from Gawker Media. This was touted as Top Gear for gadgets. Yeah. Which, and, I'm cool with that description. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to find out the latest phones. I actually saw an article. Hmm. We actually have less electronic gear in our homes now than we did 20, 30 years ago. Hmm. And it seems counterintuitive at first, and then you start to realize that the devices it's that we been have consolidated. now, yeah, do more than just one thing. Oh yeah. So no, yeah, we totally get that, that toothbrush, razor, yeah, hair trimmer thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, oh, the, you mean the fashion helmet? <laughs> the flow. <clears throat> uh, uh, one thing I'm going to mention is I finally uh, last week before uh, Hunapu's Day, I went and got a bunch of microbrews, different things I wanted to try, and one that I tried I wanted to mention is the Saison du Buff. Buff is a acronym for Brewers United for Freedom of Flavor. This was a uh, collaboration brew between Stone Brewing, Victory Brewing, and uh, Dogfish Head. All three of which have excellent beers of their own that are all really, really good. The way Saison du Buff worked, though, is they created the Saison, which is a rosemary and thyme beer. Not something you would normally hear of. Um, and each one of the breweries did their own take on it. So there's a Victory Saison Dubuff, there's you know, Stone and yada, yada, yada. Okay. The one I tried, I believe, was Victory. And Victory is one of the breweries I generally don't like their stuff. I didn't realize that's who it was when I grabbed it. Okay. It was really good. I, it, so it, it was a win. It was a win. A win it, for Victory. It, it was a, a, a win through fail. Um, <laughs> fail on your part? Yeah, fail, fail on my part, but a still won anyways. All right. So... That's just fun to say. Win for victory. I, I, the best way I could describe this beer is it's like drinking a Thanksgiving beer. Because uh, that, that, uh, time, mashed potatoes? Well, that thyme and sage are, are spices that are traditionally used when seasoning a turkey or, or chicken or something Parsley, like that. Parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme. There you go. Okay. And it really does have that just, I, I, I go, go drink one. Shit, I mean, go, go drink one. <laughs> I, it, it's great. Not you, because I know you don't, won't, but... No, I've, I've got some you, scotch. You, out, out there I've in the internet I've got some land. scotch in the decanter. I'm going to go grab that. You go grab your victory beer and win with that. Uh, for the rest of you, uh, go ahead, drop us a line. You can get our email, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, yeah, Google Voice, so you can leave us a text message or a voicemail. All that's available at about.me slash comicbooktesseract. Go ahead, find us out there, about.me slash comicbooktesseract. Drop us a line, let us know what you like. If you got any questions for us, let us know. Uh, and uh, we put out shows first and sixteenth of the month. Uh, this one's coming in a little bit late, but we'll. Uh, but that's okay. 
we, we yeah, uh, had St. Patty's Day and things got a little bit oh, fun. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, anyways, uh, we'll see you next time when we step inside the Tesseract.